Hey, everybody, this is Chase. Before we get started, I want to let you know that we had a little bit of technical difficulties during this one. Uh, there's a few times when Kara unfortunately dropped out and we edited it together the best as we could. It is very listenable. Uh, not much is missed here. Uh, I just wanted to let you know in case you notice it during the podcast. Anyways, here we go. You have to just try and just keep testing things, everything from pricing to, you know, who your audiences are to, you know, what the offer is and what works for you. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rockies. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we welcome to the show another amazing founder to go with our founder series that we've been working on. I know that the audience really loves it. So today, we're welcoming to the show Kara Golden. Kara is the founder and CEO of Hint. It's a healthy lifestyle brand that produces the leading unsweetened flavored water scented sunscreen spray. That's oxybenzone and paraber... I'm going to screw that one up. You're going to help me with that in a second, aren't you, Kara? (laughs) It's a paraben, yeah. Paraben free. All right. Now I'm learning something today. And most recently, uh, they have launched a eucalyptus and lemon deodorant made with 100% plant derived ingredients and no aluminum. Welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So now I'm curious, what is paraben? Paraben. There we go. Um, it's actually a uh, it's a hormone disruptor, and so it's um, it's used often in lots of cosmetics, actually. Uh, as a preservative, but it's not great for women as well as men. And, and it's something that it ends up is actually not necessary. So there's other ways to uh, develop great products without some of these ingredients that are not so healthy for you. Absolutely. It's, I've definitely noticed uh, oxybenzone-free being oftentimes on a lot of the sunscreens uh you know i myself when i go on vacation it's, it's definitely an island so i'm very familiar with seeing that on labels so it's cool to learn more about the those types of products yeah you know it's good and we uh we branched out from water we've been doing water for a long time and have lots of different flavors and but you know for me hint was always a brand that was you know, developed out of purpose and out of solving a problem and initially solving a problem for myself around, uh, you know, not being as healthy as I wanted to be and figured out that these diet sweeteners were actually sort of the the culprit. Um, so, uh, so for me, as I started to, you know, just kind of live my life and 
do what I was doing, including putting sunscreen on, I realized that there were certain things that I knew about that other consumers didn't know about. And, you know, my curiosity really pushed me to develop that product. And, uh, and then very similar story for deodorant as well. Absolutely. So you said you've been doing this a long time. Uh, can you let the listeners know how long when, uh, Hint has been around? Yeah. So uh, Hint in, uh, in May this year, end of May marks our 15th year. And, uh, you know, I always remember it because I was pregnant with my son, Justin, when, and actually got my first bottle on the shelf the morning uh, that I was delivering Justin and, and, uh, and probably guilted the uh, poor guy at Whole Foods uh, into actually putting it on the shelf uh, because I, I told him that I was having a baby and I really wanted to kind of get it done, get it on the shelf before going and delivering my son and and um and then got a phone call afterwards from the next day from the person the guy that had put it on the shelf saying that the 10 cases were actually gone that we had dropped with him and uh it's i initially um probably still getting over my uh, euphoria or morphine drip or whatever you want to <laughs> you know equate it to but i was uh curious like who actually took the cases and then he went on to explain to me that nobody took them that actually all 10 cases have sold overnight and um so that was really the beginning of hint and my the beginning of me actually you know getting into the beverage industry that's amazing that's the first time i've heard someone use pregnancy as a negotiation tactic so that's first it was quite effective. I, I wouldn't have probably owned it back then or sort of like viewed it as such. And, and But for me, it was just kind of a thing that I wanted to get off of my plate, um, you know, to get it on the shelf beforehand. But I really think he, you know, took a little bit of pity on me. And, and that was that was kind of the beginning of it. So back then, 2005, 15 years ago, I'm assuming that the brand was started with a more traditional business model. And then it has since evolved into kind of D to C, as they like to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, prior to launching Hin, I had actually started and ran e-commerce and shopping on uh, on AOL, and was you know really early um, in in terms of you know actually in the beginning days of going to catalogers and retailers and getting them to come online and. I was there for seven years and and left when it was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL and I really felt like uh, you know I wanted to do some. I had three kids at that point and as I mentioned, I had my fourth when I was developing the business plan for this. Um, but I loved technology and I thought it was super interesting. There were definitely you know challenges because certain things were not kind of like the the actual technology was not there um, where it needed to be. But I also felt like, you know, do I need to continue in tech? I mean, is tech the only thing that I can do? And for me, I had sort of, you know, left that question kind of sitting out there as, you know, I want to do something that has purpose and connects with customers and you know, really helps people be the best that they can be. And, and, you know, if there's health involved, maybe that is something that would be really great too. And I kept thinking, and, you know, many people, as I explained this to friends and family, they would say, 
oh, you should do a nonprofit or you should, you know, like join some, you know, boards that are helping, you know, things that are, you know, really, that you're really passionate about it. But I was passionate about a lot of different things. And I felt like, you know, in many, many ways, growing up in kind of the e-commerce, early e-commerce days and, and kind of the early internet days, so to say, um, were a, you know, it was tough for me because I, it just moved so fast and we were just breaking so many new grounds. And, and so it was hard because I was looking for kind of that next thing and I, I just couldn't find it. And so while I was doing that, I was really just trying to get healthy. And my, you know, backstory was really that I had, uh, you know, taken some time off to have kids and figure out what I, what I wanted to do next. And, and, uh, I, realized that I had gained a ton of weight and my energy levels were low. I developed terrible adult acne, which I didn't even have as a teenager. And when I really started looking for the, you know, the problem and a bunch of people, you know, doctors in particular, nutritionists all pointed to food. And one day I, I really become accustomed to reading labels. And I had never before this time, but while I was really trying to solve this problem, that's what I was doing. But for some reason, I really wasn't reading the drink labels. Like I, I never really paid attention. And I certainly didn't pay attention to something that I was actually having every single day, which I'm convinced actually was the problem, which was um, diet soda. And so I was drinking diet soda every day. I mean, you know, on a slow day or good day, however you want to, you know, phrase it. Mm -hmm. I was drinking anywhere from like eight to 12 a day of a diet Coke and sometimes in like the fountain sodas, et cetera. So I gave that up just as a test when I realized there were over 30 ingredients in, you know, diet Coke in particular. And then I started drinking plain water. I was never a water drinker. Um, I didn't know that about myself, but I, you know, sort of aspired to drink water, but I just wasn't doing it. So I was slicing up fruit to get me to really enjoy the taste of water because I thought like, that's the key thing. It's just super boring. And I lost in two and a half weeks, I lost over 20 pounds in six months. I lost the weight that I was really trying to get off, which was 55 pounds. And that's when I, you know, really started thinking about Everything that I had been talking about around, you know, doing something that helps people, that has purpose, that, you know, really changes people's health would like I had stumbled upon it. And so little did I know that, you know, I had always thought, okay, I see all these soda trucks, you know, and some water trucks like Nestle running around. And I thought, okay, I've got to go get it into stores. When people asked me, like, when you know a lot about e-commerce, why aren't you actually bringing this online? I kept thinking about all of the challenges that you know many people have thought about about e-commerce and why their business isn't going into e-commerce, which was you know it's a heavy product. It's you know people aren't buying that way, um, and that was true. You know, 15 years ago, that there were these hurdles, right? And so we continued to sort of initially do what I thought was the way to go, which was, you know, we started in Whole Foods, which is considered specialty. And then 
We eventually got into conventional grocers like the Kroger's of the world very early on. We, um, Google was actually trying to hire me to come in and do something uh, with e-commerce and shopping. And, and, you know, I knew the guy that was recruiting me and I said, listen, actually, you know, I want to be honest with you and sort of share with you what I'm kind of thinking I want to do. And we had been sort of really like doing everything ourselves, loading up the truck with cases and delivering it to Whole Foods locally in the Bay Area. And so, you know, I think he kind of took pity on me that I was and, and maybe still wanted to stay in connection with me. So he was like, oh, you should try and get with our guy that's like cooking meals for all Google employees, which later even got bigger and became like micro kitchens. And so that was, you know, a huge business for us and a huge, um, you know, kind of impactful way to sort of get to customers even outside of, of stores was, you know, corporate food service. But then about, uh, about six years ago, Amazon reached out to us and, and asked us to, you know, launch on, on their platform. They were just starting grocery. And uh, I think it was about six years ago. I always get confused on my timeline. But um, basically, we, you know, did it as a test, launched. Uh, there were only a few food and beverage items in their offering. And we, you know, very, very quickly became one of the top food and beverage items, uh, the beverage item that was really selling. And for me, the interesting thing about selling on Amazon was that we sort of proved it out that the customer actually would buy our product. And all of the hurdles that I talked about around e-commerce, including reasons why we wouldn't do it, like it's heavy and all, all of you know, these issues, I, I recognized very, very early that that was actually, you know, solving a problem for customers. It, while it was heavy for us and, you know, something we had to figure out, it was something that customers were actually thinking about when they went to the grocery store that they didn't want to, you know, carry a heavy case home. They'd rather have it delivered to their house. So that was the early days of it. And yeah, and, and I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's a fantastic story. I I like how, you know, when you first got going, the heavy product was almost a limiting belief and you're like, I don't think this is gonna work. And then that actually from a customer's perspective is like the reason why it worked. That's so cool. Yeah, it was just I mean, it was really sorry, I had to take a sip of my cherry hint here, but um it was, you know, definitely it ended up to be a benefit. And I look back on that now and I always think about things that, you know, are sort of hurdles internally whether it's to me or you know team or whatever and i think that how would the customer think about that that may be the exact reason maybe phrased differently but that may be the exact reason why you know they haven't tried your product right mm -hmm. um because they don't want to carry a heavy case home like you know especially in the last few years i mean more and more people don't have cars right and they're they're trying to figure out exactly, you know, when they get their groceries, you know, how do they actually like get, you know, they're limiting the, the amount of stuff that they're actually purchasing inside stores. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio knows modern e-commerce is moving fast. Between email, mobile, and web, it can be hard to keep up with consumers and personalize their experience with your brand. Think of Clavio as a central command center for all your digital marketing needs. 
With email marketing, dynamic website content, social retargeting, SMS automation, and more, you'll take back control of the customer experience and own your business growth. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 brands like Casemate, Kapari, and Brooke Lennon. Ready to find out how Klaviyo can help your business grow? Visit Klaviyo.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. So that was kind of the key thing. And I think for you know a lot of people asked, including when I decided to launch our direct-to-consumer business internally, um, you know, I went to our board and said, hey, this is what I want to do. And you know, I've got experience in e-commerce and we'll set up a super bare bones e-commerce uh, site on our end and you know, we'll just fulfill it from our office. It'll, you know, it really, really small just to kind of test it out. Um, it's already been tested on Amazon and seems to be doing fine. But you know, again, like the thinking was there's Amazon has so many customers and how are you going to actually get people to recognize that you've actually got your own site? And, you know, I, I had said, well, we'll do a little bit of advertising, but I really, really fundamentally believed and had seen in my AOL days that, you know, it was for the customer, there are some customers who really want to buy direct from the manufacturer. And some, you know, customers believe that, you know, they get fresher product direct from the manufacturer, which is not, you know, most of the time the case. Um, or, you know, they may have had an issue with a, you know, store or third party that has nothing to do with your product and they want to just, you know, go direct to you. And, and, um, and in, you know, times like we're recording this during a pandemic, um, during COVID, I mean, I think that. You know, it's not always the case for a product if you're not a you know essential product today. If you're going through Amazon, your product may not ship for a couple of weeks, and you know there's not a whole lot you can do about it. So the controls when you have your own site, you know, getting the word out there too about why somebody should buy your product, what is you know your purpose, all of those things, you just have more room to kind of tell the story and also selection. I mean, you know, we have over 20 products in just in water that we sell. Um, you know, even if CVS may only have our sunscreen seasonally, uh, you know, you can buy it on our website year round, um, you know, all of those things. And then also just a better knowledge of ultimately who's buying your product. So if you sell through an Amazon, I mean, what we were hearing early on from Amazon was that people were buying our product and they were also buying things like, you know, type two diabetes monitors or kind bars or, you know, healthier kind of products or products that were going to help them stay healthy. And, you know, that for us was, was really, you know, confirming that we had a product that, that ultimately was, you know, what we knew it was, it was, it was changing people's lives. Right. And so uh, it was very different than, you know, what a soda company would do and maybe the opposite of that, right? We were actually helping people to get their health back, which is, um, or keep, you know, their health, and which was super, super powerful. And so, again, the ability to connect with your customer and talk to your customer and really, like, ultimately launch new products off of that information, too, is, is just, you know really what your own site allows you to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? 
join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H O N E S T VIP, to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. Let's fast forward a bit. So a couple months ago, uh, you guys actually debuted an ad during the Super Bowl. I think that's a crowning achievement for any brand. Why don't you tell us about that experience? Yeah, you know, I think every brand, especially ones that sort of think about doing advertising, that's kind of the holy grail, right? It's like, oh, one day I'll do a Super Bowl ad. And I had actually, prior to AOL, had been at CNN. And I was um, doing advertising at at CNN. And so I knew enough about advertising and and really have always, you know, built this brand based on, you know, getting people to try the product and love it and, you know, share their their, um, love of the brand, you know, individually. But I got to a point where I felt like it might be time to actually do advertising. And I had actually run into a person that used to work with me at CNN and I just barely reached out to her and I said, I'm just so curious if, uh, do you know anybody over at Fox Sports, which was the one that was actually carrying the, the Super Bowl. And so she, she connected me. Um, she did, she knew the head of Fox Sports and connected me. And I said, Hey, I'm friends with this person and just curious, are you guys actually sold out? And and um, he he said, you know, we are, but there's actually regions, including you know the one that you're in in San Francisco and New York and a few others that actually do have openings. And so it ends up that for certain you know shows, events, whatever. Again, so I was just like thinking, this is so unlikely, but I'm more curious than anything else. And uh, so I reached out to him and learned that basically he had openings in every single key market. And so ultimately, you know, we sort of sat on it for a couple of weeks prior to the Super Bowl. And about one week prior, I remembered some lessons that I learned at CNN, which was, you know, for events like the Super Bowl, you have to actually traffic the ad and it has to, you know, get trafficked through Fox Sports, and then it also has to get traffic through the NFL for approval. And so, and that just takes time, right? Like it just doesn't get submitted to the NFL and then, you know, you snap your fingers that it's approved typically. And so I knew that because there was inventory available, that the person sitting inside of these regions really, you know, had a limited amount of time to go and get this thing done. And so, you know, we ultimately kind of watched that time, that that clock, and uh, and ended up putting in a bid. Like, you know, n- not even a week before the Super Bowl was actually going on, and we we got eighty percent of the country, um, and for less than a million dollars, um, which was significantly less than a Super Bowl ad. And uh, you know, again, it's like if if you really understand the total equation. Any time and and kind of how how the other person's thinking on the other side of the table. It's ultimately it can be it can work to your benefit and it definitely did. And you know for us it was uh, you know it was amazing. I mean I think just it really 
put us on the map and and you know I had my phone pretty much blew up that night with well over 300 texts you know all coming at me at once uh when you know everybody saw it because it it was really surprise and delight like I don't think anybody expected a you know smallish beverage brand to sort of and and certainly not hint to show up and so it was uh exciting not only for our customers but for our employees for our distributors i mean everybody was just really really excited about it i mean i was excited about it it was cool obviously uh, i've actually seen you speak before i saw you speak in clavio at the clavio conference in boston last fall um you know i just root for everybody in the you know the d2c game as you'd say like i think it's fun when people win uh so i was i was super excited about it myself personally awesome Alrighty. So more recently, though, uh, you have a book coming out this fall. Uh, congratulations on that. What was inspired you to write a book? And what's the book about? Yeah. So, so the book is called Undaunted. And uh, it's, I've been writing for three years. And, and, you know, really, the key for me was, you know, I travel a lot. And so it's, it's what I do on airplanes and in hotel rooms by myself at night. I just start writing as I'm thinking about you know, just things. And, you know, it's, it's everything from, you know, kind of why people will ask me on, you know, I'll be on a panel or on a webinar and people have asked me, you know, like, why are you okay with risk? Or, you know, have you had failures or, you know, things like that along the way. And I just started really thinking and writing about those things. And obviously, you know, I've heard from a ton of entrepreneurs of the years who are interested in, you know, either launching a, you know, food or beverage company or uh, moving from a different industry like tech to, you know, the food industry. And, and, you know, frankly, I think a lot of those questions come in and I just, you know, don't get to answer all of them. And I, and I really wanted to put, you know, down sort of like the things that I've learned along the way. So, so Undaunted is really a mixture of, you know, business in terms of how did you do it, um, but also a lot of kind of theory that I've had around, you know, like life is not about putting roadblocks up in front of yourself to, you know, not do something. And, you know, it's a, like if you use words like failure, for example, or I could fail, then you you probably won't do it. But instead, if you you know use words like "I'm going to go give it a try and see what happens," then you know you might, right? And so things like that along the way that I think are really important. People who who have you know had a lot of impact on me. I'm also a big believer. I think I talked about it at the Clavio conference a bit, but I'm you know I I look back on sort of the people that were most helpful to me. And they wouldn't have been those people that are, um, you know, where I sort of got inspiration and lessons it, or, you know, kind of what other channels I'm in or whatever. It's really just about kind of like, how did you ultimately think about, you know, launching it or, or you know, whatever was, was successful. And I feel like, you know, so often we get these blocks along the way like that, like you think, okay, I've got to go hire somebody because I know nothing about this industry. And, you know, like I said, I felt like it was, it was really the, the people outside of the industries and in different, you know, in different industries that were really sort of doing 
kind of what I was doing that I was learning the most from just by them telling their own story. And, you know, that, that to me, I think is, is just, you know, super powerful. That's amazing. I look forward to reading that book. And I'm sure it's full of a lot of impactful advice for young entrepreneurs. Uh, before I let you go for the day, is there one piece of advice that you think would resonate with our audience? Like uh, a new direct consumer brands per se? Well, I, you know, I think I touched on this just a minute ago, but I think that, you know, so often people look at putting, you know, things like, you know, it's going to be expensive. Amazon's going to crush us if we do it right. You know, it like all of these factors, right? And I think that, first of all, you have to figure out a pretty, you know, inexpensive, cheap, whatever you want to say, way to try it, right? Like that doesn't mean that you have to go nothing against Shopify. I love Shopify, but you don't necessarily need to go set up Shopify tomorrow in order to actually go and do e-commerce, right? You can do it in sort of a more bare bones way like what we did. And maybe you don't have your entire selection, but you try some products and do some test ads on Facebook and some Google AdWords or whatever, just to see whether or not something's ultimately going to work. And at the end of the day, you just don't know what the customer is going to do. And even like a focus group saying, okay, customers tell me that they're going to do it. Like customers often do differently than what they say they're going to do. And so you have to just try and just keep testing things, everything from pricing to, you know, who your audiences are to, you know, what the offer is and what works for you. It's not to say that, you know, affiliate works for everybody or doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't, you know, like all of those kind of aspects of it, I think are just, you just have to go out and try lots of different things. And that's the most important part. That's amazing. Kara, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if you want to reach out, I'm at on most social channels uh, at Kara Golden uh, with an I, Kara uh, Golden. And um, yeah, and definitely check out Hint at drinkhint.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes for everyone. Cool. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.